When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat, NFL on Twitter. Paul is Fanatic underscore pick. We are 12 days away from the NFL draft, believe it or not. And we are continuing our, our positional breakdown here with the offensive tackle class. We'll do center and guard tomorrow and get into edge cornerback and safety here next week. So I'm probably going to feel a little bit differently about this tackle class than a lot of people out there uh, and, and probably my co-host as well. Um, when you take a look here at, at this tackle group, it's an incredibly deep class ball. I mean, I, you know, when you take a look at some of these players who were like the 10th, 11th, 12th rated guard, they would probably be the fifth, sixth or seventh rated guard here last year. But the Dolphins drafted Austin Jackson in the first round to play left tackle last year. They drafted Robert Hunt to play right tackle the year before. But both of them, especially Robert Hunt, have the ability to possibly switch positions or move inside if need be. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really debatable about whether or not this is even a neat position for the Dolphins. Hey, Dolphins fans. This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. We start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then we blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, we've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. We are offering up to 15% off when you use code MINUTE15 at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. Follow on social media at the Danette May and at earthechofoods. I don't feel it's a huge need. I think I think there's more needs along the interior, which there are some tackles you can kick inside. Um, it, but really, the biggest need on the offensive line is at center. I know, you know, we hear a lot of folks preach, no matter which side of the fence you're on, you, you hear a lot of fo- folks preach patience with Tua. He was a rookie last year, all those things. And then you hear them in the same breath say, oh, my God, we need to upgrade the offensive line. And... You know, I like what I saw from Robert Hunt. I like what I saw from Solomon Kinley. I surprisingly liked what I saw from Austin Jackson, who I wasn't high on just because 
I thought it was going to take him a little more time than it looks like it's going to to reach any form of potential. And, and I thought he was okay last year. And given the fact that he had probably the most ground to go as far as the offensive tackle class, I don't have this huge, like, oh, my God, we have to fill this need. And the problem I have with that, I know you said this is a deep class at offensive tackle. I feel kind of the opposite here. It's I feel like this is a really solid, great top end at offensive tackle yet again this year. And then after that, it just falls off this tremendous cliff into a hole. Um, so it, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think a lot of people regard it as a deep class. But then again, if you're if we're talking about moving some tackles to guards, then that thins out the class a whole heck of a lot. So, yeah, I think it's a tremendous guard class this year. Um, other than Deontay Brown's fat ass. But... <laughs> Hey, he he went from three sixty four down to down to three forty four. Uh, so I mean, that's because it took him so long to get up to the buffet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't argue there. Hey, we'll talk about the guards another time. But uh, yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying there as far as as, as the guard class and, and, and the tackle class. And so, just looking at the offensive line for the Dolphins in general, um, it is my feeling that. I, you know, I, I think what everybody is saying here is, you know, hey, we got to get weapons for two. We got to get weapons for two. We got to get wide receivers. We got to get running backs. I've always felt the opposite. I've always felt that if you allow Tua to consistently throw from a pocket that isn't muddy, then he is going to reach his potential. But if not, then I, I don't think he can do what some of these other, I, I don't think he could do what Pat Mahomes does. I don't think he could do what Josh Allen does in that if he's got pressure, he's going to fight him off. He could fight him off with one hand and still deliver a 20-yard dime down the field. That's not who he is. He has to step into throws, and I I don't think he's going to do that behind a C-plus offensive line. The good thing is I, I think even where we stand right now, we're not going to have a C-plus offensive line. I, I think we're going to have at the very least a B this year. I mean, they've got some flexible pieces. They've got some depth uh, as it stands right now. And, you know, the weak link is center. I mean, that's the biggest thing for me. If if And if Skura can regain his form, he was a steal. But, you know, I, I just, it's, I, I, I'm almost in Camp Dieter at this point. And, and that's not the best place to be as far as center goes. Yeah, I wonder if the Dolphins like Dieter a little bit more than, than people think. Yeah, I, I think that's quite possible. Um, oops. Uh, on. All right. It, it, you know, in Skura and Dieter right now on the surface are not good enough. Uh, I also think center is a position that it's easier to find players than offensive tackle. And yeah, you're right. Uh, when it comes to Robert Hunt, he, he I, I, I like Robert Hunt. One of my favorite players on the team right now and, and i'd like to keep him at right tackle i mean he was a right tackle at louisiana played well at right tackle last year when he got on the field i hope he stays at that spot um and then you got solomon kinley at guard um austin jackson i will say this for you know for as much as i didn't like the pick he played better than i thought i i will say that he, he's a he's a very good athlete great character on paper there's every reason in the in the world that he should improve but 
still whiffs on a lot of blocks. He, he only he only gave up four sacks last year. PFF graded him as the 75th out of 79th offensive tackle for a reason. And the reason is because he gave up a lot of pressures and he gave up a lot of hurries. Uh, and just because you don't let up a sack doesn't mean that you still did your job or didn't ruin the play. And that that's kind of where it is with Austin Jackson. But kind of to your point there too, uh, C plus, maybe if, if this is a C plus unit now, the Dolphins are, are counting on improvement from these three rookies to get them to a B. Yeah, and, and, and I think they will. It's And make no mistake, if, if we can replace Eric Flowers as well, I'm in on it. But Flowers, which I know he's a guard, but it's it may be kicking Austin Jackson into left guard. It may be kicking Solomon Kinley to left guard, putting Jesse Davis at right guard, and, you know, just upgrading that center spot but I don't have an issue with our tackles I do think they improve just based on what I saw throughout the year last year because Austin Jackson wasn't great but I saw the improvement and now he's going to ha- actually have an off-season program he can participate in in some way shape or form and the Dolphins aren't sitting out as it stands right now yeah and he's only going to be 22 years old this year so I mean this is somebody that was 20 years old when we drafted him yeah, in the first round, 18th overall last year. So, yeah, continued improvement is certainly expected out of Austin Jackson as, as well as the rest of the offensive line. And they did improve still last year. I mean, you look at 2019, the Dolphins allowed um, – they allowed, let's see, uh, 50, 58 sacks, I believe. Uh, that was worse than the league. Uh, you look at last year, they allowed 34 sacks, which was kind of middle of the pack. Now, uh, as, as far as run blocking is concerned, in 2019, they allowed 3.3 yards a carry, worse than the league by a wide margin. Uh, and then this past year, they improved to 3.9 yards per carry, but still, that was 29th in the NFL. So it, offensive line improvement still is needed here. And, you know, I look at the board here and, you know, it – Penny Sewell would be my choice at number six still uh, if he were there, but that's a battle. It doesn't look like I'm going to win. Uh, I don't think you draft Austin Jackson in the first round or and Robert Hunt in the second round in the same year without giving them the, the chance to improve. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I think you could kick one inside to guard, but I don't think that's actually going to happen. But to me, what stands apart with Penny Sewell, even at 18 years old, he was dominating people at Oregon uh, in his in the final year he was playing. He was 18 for the first part of the year, 19 for the second part. Just second, just seven pressures allowed all year, no sacks at Oregon. The highest grade offense, uh, graded offensive tackle that PFF has ever had for a season. Uh, but I will th- I will throw you this here though. Um, I'll admit that he had a great workout, but it wasn't the godlike workout that I was expecting. He wasn't six, six. He was six, four. Uh, he was six Oh four, six Oh four, seven. So of not even six foot five, not even that much taller than Rashawn Slater, five Oh nine, 40, 30 bench press reps, 28 vert, uh, one Oh nine broad jump. So, you know, I, not a godlike workout, but still a great one, but Enough for me to say, you know what, I'm fine taking and excited to take Penny or, or Jamar Chase or, or Kyle Pitts uh, sixth overall. 
See, Sewell's already disappointing. He hasn't even played a snap yet. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. I mean, Sewell is going to be very good at the next level. And I, I think he's a player that I don't think struggles, but even if he does, you can plug and play him pretty much anywhere on the line based on his play style, and he's going to do well. Um, you know, it, it, it's... The guy that I whew, I really like is, is Christian Derisaw. Um, the way that he gets that punch right off the snap, you know, it, it's, yes, Penny Sewell does, but Christian Derisaw, if you're looking to get somebody, is going to hit you in the chest, and you know he's, he hits you. And it's fun to watch. Yeah, and Derisaw, you know, with... with Sewell and Rashawn Slater out here last year in, in college football, both opted out. He was probably the best offensive tackle in the country, and he played against great competition. He played against uh, Boogie Basham with, with at, at Wake Forest. He played against uh, Chris Rumpf and, and, and uh, for Duke. He played against Jalen Phillips and um, uh, Quincy Roche there in Miami. He played against Xavier Thomas at Clemson. He played a great schedule and was one of the best offensive tackles in the country. Uh, he is he's a powerful guy. Uh, he's not athletically the greatest, but he has long arms and he's powerful. He is a better version, and I've seen this comparison a lot, a better version of Eric Flowers when he came out of Miami. Uh, I know Eric Flowers had a rough start to his career, moved inside to guard, became a better player. Um, Darisaw has that type of flexibility uh, as well. But, you, you know, you look at you look at him at 34-inch arms and, and how much power that he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, I think he – if the Dolphins go pass catcher at six, I think he'd be great value at 18. He would, but I – I can't bring myself to take an offensive tackle in the first round, and that that's where this class hurts because a- after the first round, I think Penny Sewell goes in the first round. Uh, Rayshon Slater, who's probably the most technically gifted uh, offensive tackle in the draft. Penny Sewell makes up for some of the technical issues with heart and, and effort. Rayshon Slater's the most classically solid technical offensive tackle in the draft. I think Tevin Jankson, Jenkins goes in the first round. And then you're looking at maybe a Sam Cosme, but you'd have to pass on running back at 36 if you haven't taken one yet. Or Alex Leatherwood or, or, or Dylan Raddins, who may go in the first round as well. But I'm not sold on Leatherwood, and I don't think Cosme is as big of an upgrade. This is where my problem is with this class, is I don't want to go offensive tackle in round one. Um, I and, and I'm somebody that you've heard me stump the table for a top 10 offensive tackle before. Um it's. I look at this class, and because of the drop off I see after most of the round one guys, I don't see a lot of the guys starting in round two as an upgrade over Austin Jackson or Robert Hunt. And that that's where I look at this class, and I'm like, look, I get it. For me, interior line is going to be the one which I know we're talking about tomorrow night. Um, that upgrades this offensive line, and you can get after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Penny Sewell is an elite prospect, and I would he would be my still my choice at number six. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. And where we disagree is that I see a lot of value in T. 
Tevin Jenkins, Rashawn Slater, and Christian Darisaw at 18. I, I would, if one of those players fell to 18, and and Tevin Jenkins is the most likely to fall to 18, then I, I would I would take any of them all day, and then kick the can down the road at running back and center. Hope that you can get one at 36 and 50 in the second round, and if 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 that's iffy, then you trade up and and ensure that you get a Creed Humphrey and a Javante Williams in the second round, some something along those lines. Um, yeah, but uh, Darisaw is my fourth rated offensive tackle. Two uh, A and two B are Tevin Jenkins and Rashawn Slater for me. I actually have Tevin Jenkins a half step above Rashawn Slater, and that's that's not a knock on Slater. I mean, Slater is one of the cleanest high floor players in this draft technically sound and when you look at the measurables worked out in every drill better than Panay Sewell which caught me by surprise big time I mean his his arms were 33 inches instead of you know a lot of people thought maybe smaller compared a lot to Jonah Williams um, who is a early first rounder of the Bengals here in 2019 Uh, you can move him around the offensive line if it comes to that he'll start out at tackle um so it would give the Dolphins options, and some people have even projected him as a center uh, in this because of his ability to uh, to get to that second level in blocking. So, um, but Tevin Jenkins is the guy uh, in this draft that I, I just can't get enough of when I watch him on tape. I mean, he's a right tackle at Oklahoma State. Uh, he played left tackle and right tackle at Oklahoma State. Uh, he, for the last three years, played more than 200 snaps at both left tackle and right tackle in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Uh, and a lot of people project him more at guard. I compare him to Brandon Scherf. I think he's that type of player. I think you're going to see a multiple-time pro bowler at the guard spot, but he can also play tackle. Uh, so, yeah, the, there's a strong top four there. Uh, so I would take one of them at 18, uh, but I know we disagree on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – now, the one I've got my eyes on here is Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. Uh, really dominant. I know he, he had short arms there uh, at his workout and pro day. But he's got a lot of positional flexibility. So you would have the option, if you drafted an Elijah Vera Tucker, to put him possibly right next to his running mate from 2019 um, and, and plug him in at left guard and upgrade your left guard spot. Or he could kick Austin Jackson into left guard and take over the left tackle spot. He didn't allow a ton of pressures last year. I know, uh, I think it was Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, who's going to be a pretty high draft pick unless his ceiling falls out, uh, that that did pretty well against him. But outside of that, he was very solid at left tackle. And he may be there at 36, potentially just given the fact that there are so many offensive tackles with first round grades. He's more likely to go in the first round, but you could probably have 35, 40 players that are more likely to go in the first round. So somebody's going to fall. Yeah. Vera Tucker is somebody that I think will be a guard at the next level. Um, But he did play left tackle this past year, taking over for Austin Jackson at USC. Um, So, uh, you know, I think he'll be a guard, and from that point, I don't. One, I don't want the want the Dolphins even at thirty six to draft a guard to take over for for Eric Flowers in a year. I, I, I don't think that's a 
great use of resources uh, on that. But I, I do like Elijah Vera Tucker as a prospect. But that brings me to my next point here, too, is, uh, you know, I talked about the other day at, at off-ball linebacker. If you run slower than a 4.75, you're out. You're done. Forget it. I don't want to talk about it. We're finished. Same goes for offensive tackles with shorter than 33-inch arms. And there's only one in the NFL that plays at a high level that has that, and that's Braden Smith from for the Colts. So, um, and, and you know, I, I'll even make an exception here, Paul. Um, I'll give you a quarter inch for free, a 32 and three-fourths arms. I'm still good with. I'm a nice guy, okay? So, but anything other than that, 30, 32 and three-fourths arms, done. You're out. You're guard. Don't want to talk about it. Blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know, you know, but hey, you got to give me credit for giving giving a quarter inch on that, though. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm big on I'm big on uh, forty times for linebackers, big on arm length for the offensive tackle position. So, uh, given that, I, there are a few players that I kick inside to guard immediately: Jackson Carmen from Clemson, Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame and Brady Christensen from BYU. Uh, I think that these are good prospects, but I don't think they're offensive tackles. Offensive tackle, you've got to play 70 snaps a game and play at a high level, uh, and, and I don't see them them being that type of player. I would flirt with the idea, believe it or not, somebody I, was, I thought was going to come out last year and I was high on um, that looks like a tackle, but I think end of the day, he might be better off kicking into that phone booth, and that's Alaric Jackson. Uh, yes, he manned the left tackle spot over Tristan Wirfs for some mysterious reason when Wirfs was at Iowa. But I think Alaric Jackson may actually be better in the phone booth than he is on the edge and having to chase players. Um, one guy, though, that I want to stay far away from, and it's sad because he's athletically gifted, but he hasn't played football in two years, and it's kind of starting to look like a, a little bit of a desire issue and that's Walker Little out of Stanford. It's the guy's got all the tools, but there there's something going on there where it just feels like he doesn't enjoy it and he had a terrible pro day. Yeah, Walker Little is I don't I I I don't know if it's a desire thing, but he I mean I well, I don't know. I mean, like why didn't you go to the senior bowl? That it's, that's what I can't get over. It's like You've played one game of football since the end of the 2018 season. You would think you would want to play all the football that you can, and he didn't go. Uh, it, it was weird to me, but, you know, and PFF is really high on him, thinks that, you know, he should be like a late first-round pick. I completely disagree. And I got to say, when I, when I watched, when I was actually able to, you know, dust off the archives and go back to 2018 and watch him, um, you know, it's – it was in black and white, I think. Um, but uh, it, I wasn't all that impressed. I thought he was stiff. Uh, I, I thought his punch wasn't all that great. I mean, he has the skills. He has the gifts for it. But it, it, now you have to you have to get a player who's played one game of football for the last three years. And even when I watched his film, I thought he needed big-time improvement from, from the player that I saw. He did. It's, it's just a shame. It really is. It's... I'm 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 just gonna sum it up and say I'm out on him. Um, outside of that, Tommy Doyle 
is just this massive athlete later on in the draft that I'm really intrigued to to see what he can do at the next level. I mean, <laughs> Miami of Ohio puts out another prospect that I, I end up taking in a lot of mock drafts. I mean, he's a little bit better than people give him credit for. I thought he'd be a lot higher on a lot of people's lists, especially given the human wasteland that there is between him and, and, and some of the top prospects. Yeah, six foot eight, 320 pounds, and ran under 5'2". I mean, that's uh, those are good measurables. That's it's certainly going to get him drafted um, in the later rounds. And when you look at that, you know, fifth, Fifth round pick the Dolphins have, and two seventh rounders could fall into one of those spots there. And the Dolphins are going to need some depth on their offensive line too. I mean, even if you trust uh, Austin Jackson at left tackle and Robert Hunt at right tackle, you're going to need some depth here as we go along. Um, so it, just take a look at the class overall. Uh, just the pure tackles. Uh, I would sum it up as, you know, Penny Sewell. You know where I am on him. I, I would take him sixth. I, I know we disagree on that. Um, at 18. I would be happy to take either Rashawn Slater, Christian Derisar, or Tevin Jenkins. I know we disagree on that, too. Um, <laughs> second round is probably an area I wouldn't go offensive tackle unless somebody really fell, which I don't anticipate. Uh, but if a player like Alex Leatherwood falls to pick 80 for the Dolphins in the third round, I would certainly be interested because this is somebody that in Leatherwood – I, I feel like he's been, it feels like he's been in college football forever for a big time program. He fits the role. He's a solid player, but he's never taken that next step to greatness. He's kind of in some ways like Raekwon Davis uh, at, at Alabama, but you're talking about somebody here who has played guard. He played guard in 2018 for Alabama. Um, he kicked over in 2019 and 2020 at, at left tackle is all sec. And 80, 85 and, and three-eighths inch wingspan on, on this guy. That's almost five inches bigger than Penny Sewell. So this is somebody that has the measurables to play the position too. So if he fell to pick 80, I would certainly be all over him. I would certainly not. Um, it's Leatherwood is a guy that I really, really wanted to love. Like it, it's, we've been looking at him since last year's draft. It, it, he feels like the most spectacularly okay prospect in this draft. Like he, he seemed to have hit his ceiling, and he stays consistently there. But for the NFL level, it's just okay. Like he's, if you, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, but I, I will say this: I think Alex Leatherwood will be a better left tackle than Austin Jackson. That's uh, that's what it comes down to for me. I mean, it's 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 always this, oh, you know, I don't want to be sitting here in a year with Austin Jackson saying, well, yeah, he's young. He's got potential. No, screw that. He is an NFL left tackle. He better be great this year or he's wasting everybody's time. You know what, though? I'll, I'll take the okay with potential over the, ah, he's young, he's okay, and he is what he is. Like, and that's what we're going to get with Leatherwood. At least, at least it's, well, he's young, he's okay. And I think he, I think he's going to get better. The potential's there to, to going to like, all right, he's all right. Like, I, ugh. if there's a position, like if there's two positions on the offensive line. I don't want to hear, eh, he's all right. It's left tackle and center. And, and 
I feel like if we take Leatherwood and we don't get a center, we're going to be going, eh, he's all right about our left tackle, and like, oh, I wish he was all right about our center. And that that's where I, my concern is. I'll take he'll be middle of the pack, and he's not going to ruin drives over. Yeah, he's ruining drives, but he could be great one day. That, that, that's where I'm at at the left tackle spot. Uh, I, and, and that's that's I'm where I'm at on Austin Jackson right now. I, I just don't feel like Leatherwood's going to not ruin drives. Um, okay. I, I it's I think if he plays against an okay um, pass rusher, he's going to do an okay serviceable job. Um, if he faces off against say Buffalo's D line, I think Leatherwood's going to have a really bad day. Um, if he faces off against somebody like, you know, a Bill Belichick coach team, I think he's going to have a really bad day. Um, it's it's and I think the best we can expect from him is an okay day, and where you're going to have to draft him, I don't see the chance for improvement. And I think he and Austin Jackson are a lot closer at the NFL level already than a lot of people would think. So two years from today, I'm going to say Alex Leatherwood is a better left tackle than Austin Jackson. I hope no, I'm wrong. You're going to say I hope Alex I'm wrong. Leatherwood and be like who? And every, you're going to go, uh, and maybe Leatherwood will kick inside to guard. And he has that flexibility. He started a full season at Alabama at the right, right guard spot. But so I think there's, there's few ways to go with him. I think at worst, at absolute worst, he's a decent swing man. Um, but I, I, I think he'll be a starting NFL left tackle. Uh, and, and that is more than worth the 80th pick in the draft for me. Uh, who's not worth the 80th pick in the draft is Jalen Mayfield, who uh, I just never got it with. I, you know, he he's still in some mock drafts as a late first rounder. And, and I just I really don't understand it. And I saw in somebody's mock draft uh, having him go to the Dolphins at pick 50. And I still wouldn't like that. I mean, this is somebody that. Uh, I don't think played at a high level at Michigan. He's got a really narrow base. His hands are a mess. But the, everybody kept saying that was putting him in the first round. Well, he's got potential. He's got potential. He's basically the right tackle version uh, of Austin Jackson this year. Um, so, but then he he goes to his pro day and he doesn't test out well athletically. Five three forty, twenty eight and a half vert, eight foot broad jump, thirty two and five five eighth arm, five eight. How do you say that? Five eighths. 32, five eighths arms. Okay. Well, we'll say a half. We'll round it down to a half because he sucks. Uh, so, but I, I think he's going to kick inside the guard. I'm not even sure, uh, you know, if he's going to be, if he's going to be good at that spot. So I, I, I can't even say I would take him in the third round. See one guy I would actually be intrigued at and it, it's a huge upside guy. And I'd be willing to look at in the third round or if Miami trades back a little bit in the fourth, uh, an absolutely monstrous athlete who just needs to get his footwork a little bit better um, is Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. 6'8", 311, ran a 488. Um, the athletic potential is huge, and so is he. And, and really, he's... I would think about him here because he's somebody that could step in and fill that role and then maybe you can kick Austin Jackson in, and he's a steal uh, a little bit later in the draft, in my opinion, because I think he just needs a little bit of time and experience, um, and and I think he's going to start a lot sooner than most folks do. 
Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of a Colton Miller, uh, who the Raiders took in the first round uh, a few years ago. Obviously, Miller was a higher-rated prospect, but kind of the same philosophy where he has great movement skills for his size. I mean, six foot eight, three eleven, like you said, great agility. And the Dolphins are known to draft offensive tackles with tools that you can mold together. I mean, that's why they drafted Austin Jackson in the first round last year. Spencer Brown, yeah, probably going to go somewhere between the Dolphins' third round pick, 80th overall, and fifth round, 156 overall. Uh, I, I expect the Dolphins to try to manufacture some some picks there. Um, he he uh, went down to Senior Bowl, and Brian Flores got a good look at him up front. Size, you know, he didn't have a great week at the Senior Bowl, but he's a project. Uh, he moves really well for his size. So, my question to you is: Would you take who would you rather take, Spencer Brown or Alex Leatherwood, if both were on the board? Spencer Brown. Oh wow. Okay. Hundred percent. We're just not going to agree. I mean, I, I'm trying to find like points of agreement here, and uh, no, it just good. The heck <laughs> with you. I mean, I mean. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, my thing, my thing um, too is, is, is it, that I like is I like an offensive lineman with some attitude, and uh, Alex Leatherwood's attitude even just seems okay. <laughs> it's just like, like, whereas you watch you watch Spencer Brown play, and he's mauling people, and all I can think is if you get Solomon Kinley, Quinn Miners, Spencer Brown on the same line. That is going to be an infectious attitude that spreads across the offense. And I just, it's, and if you add to that somebody like Kyle Pitts that we that we all want Miami to draft um, at number six, except for you. Uh, but it, it's, if Pitts is tying up linebackers and Gasicki's tying up linebackers and safeties, now you're already improving your offensive line play by, by grabbing that effective tight end that ties up a couple of people in the interior as well. And, and then if you improve your slot position, you're going to be tying up even more in that interior, and that's less guys that the opposing defense can rush, and suddenly that's going to help improve your offensive line as well. It, it, it's people forget that the offensive line play is not just a product of the offensive line. It's the offense as a whole. And when you're running a boring-ass offense like Chan Gailey did last year where it's a one-page playbook, your offensive line is going to look worse. So that's another reason I expect to see the current offensive line take that jump, and, and it's hard for me to look at a first-round offensive tackle. And when you judge it from 2019 to 2020, you could argue that they they did make a jump. But then again, there's nowhere to go but up from the bottom, and that's where they were in 2019 when Jamarcus Webb and Julian Davenport were, were starting games for you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I – what you said about the offensive line, I feel the exact opposite on too, is that I don't care about mauling. I don't care about upside. I want that player to play 70 snaps and I want him to not mess up the offense. And the dolphins have had too many players over the last 10 years who have messed up the offense. Um, that's why somebody like Leatherwood is enticing to me. Um, as far as upsides concerned though, Dylan Radins from North Dakota state Skinny, but very, very strong. Had a great senior bowl week where strength was not an issue for him. Um, I think he's a better fit in a West Coast offense where you're blocking downhill more often, getting to the second level. That's not really the Dolphins' style. So I don't expect them to target him. 
but uh, he would be my clear offensive tackle five um, after Christian Derisaw. He's somebody that I think for a West Coast offense team could be a first round pick. Um, a lot of guys here, and and you talked about Sam Cosme. Uh, Cosme is a great athlete with a lot of experience. He doesn't have a lot of core strength. Uh, he's a great athlete, but can get pushed back and doesn't have a really wide base either. Ran of you know 50140, 32 and a half inch vertical. I think he'll get a chance here in the NFL. He's probably going to be a late first, early second rounder. I hope the Dolphins don't look at him though. So we've gone through a lot of players here, and finally. Um, James Hudson from Cincinnati is an interesting player, and he's somebody that I've seen mocked like as high as the second round. He's started his career at Michigan as a defensive lineman and then transferred to Cincinnati, uh, played right tackle, uh, or excuse me, played left tackle. I think he's got a lot of upside. I really do. And he's somebody that I would, I think, too raw at 80, but if he ended up falling down to like the fifth round, uh, or fourth round, and the Dolphins had a pick. He's somebody I'd probably consider there on day three. Yeah, and if 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 you're looking to improve Miami's run blocking, um, really late in the draft, Cole Van Lannen out of Wisconsin, I, I think could come in, possibly kick inside. But I think he is going to be probably one of the better run blocking prospects in this class. If he makes that kick inside, he's going to be a lot better player. Yeah, and uh, to round out some a few other players I'm out on, uh, Josh Ball from Marshall. You know, he's a talented prospect, actually. Uh, not not as much as, you know, the, the, the top tier in this group, but was kicked out of Florida State for a, uh, a domestic abuse. And, look, I, I do think everybody deserves a second chance, and he has made the most of the second chances there at Marshall. Um, but from an evaluation perspective, somebody I'm probably not very interested in, not going to deal with that for a swing tackle. And, and that this is the type of player that has blown up in Brian Flores' face with Isaiah Wilson, with Mark Walton. I'm just not interested. Adrian Ely from Oklahoma. I watched three games of him and I, I, I couldn't watch anymore. Uh, just ugly, ugly film. Didn't look good in senior bowl week either. Has the tools, but slips off blocks way, way, way too easily. So I'm out on them too. Um, Deontay Smith from East Carolina, 85 inch wingspan and very raw reminds me a lot. And I've seen this comparison of uh, a Raven Clark for the Colts, somebody who can, who's got the athleticism has guard tackle versatility, has the size, um, so he's somebody, again, if fall to the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, maybe somebody I would consider here. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm laughing at Scummy in the chat. It, it, it kills me. Uh, so, Kat, real quick, I know we've, we've covered a lot of offensive tackles here. Uh, Shake was just asking, how many UDFAs, uh, the undrafted free agents, do you think are going to make the team this year? I've got my own in my head, but I'm curious what you think. Two. That's not far off from me. It's Greer does have a way of, of turning over a stone and finding a player where no one thinks there is one. Um, but it's this is a much improved roster from last year, so it's going to be a little bit harder for those undrafted free agents to, to come in the door. Uh, if Miami does, whiffs on, on Miners and Humphrey and Myers, I could see Greer just unearthing some small school center prospect that, that comes in and plays really well and takes over the center position eventually. Maybe a linebacker, uh, probably a special teamer. Uh, I don't see a wide receiver coming in. 
uh, making the team from the undrafteds. I don't see a tight end coming in making the team from the undrafteds unless maybe Yaboa goes undrafted and they miss on Pitts. Um, and yeah, maybe I mean maybe a corner. <laughs> like it, it's tough. It, it's tough to look at a position that you think an undrafted could make this team right now. Yeah, it's it is a lot harder than in previous years. There, there's no doubt about that. And I'm looking at a few from the chat here too. And yeah, I mean, I'm I pretty much disagree with everybody, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, give Austin Jackson another year. Yeah, I think we're gonna say that. I think we're gonna we're gonna be saying that for three years. Uh, uh, Ignatius G says Colton Miller sucks. I think uh, 17 million a year is would disagree with that. Uh, I love all you. Don't get me wrong, but I, we're just not going to see eye to eye on this tackle class, and I'm not going to see eye to eye with my co-host either. So uh, Guys, I think click, we're going click, to click that like button if you want Cat to ignore the chat at this point. <laughs> Center guard, I think we're going to agree with a, a little bit more tomorrow. I think we're a little bit more on the same page. But hey, I was looking forward to bringing it today, and and I'm glad that we did here. So yeah. uh, anything else jump out for you here before? <laughs> why don't you give us a motivational close here? So. Uh, uh, yeah. on a good note guys make sure you guys like make sure you guys subscribe turn your notifications on we're gonna have a big old draft party on here we've still got plenty of positions to go through we've got i think a mock draft coming up again before we hit the draft uh we've got a ton of ton of content coming your way and if you get a chance leave us a review out on itunes it, it's 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 only helpful for us and and we appreciate you don't let cat tell you otherwise we appreciate you Yes, we I, absolutely. I, I love our I love our guests and and everybody chatting in. And hey, look, I've been wrong in the past. I I didn't want to draft Mike Gesicki or Jerome Baker, so bring it. I mean, this is what the why the draft is fun because it, it's all going to play out here in the next year or two. And you can come back and tell me tell me I'm wrong. I mean, my wife tells me I'm wrong all the time, so feel free to bring it too. So th that's going to do it for yeah, sure our. <laughs> I hope she's not watching, Cat. I hope she's not watching. My wife tells me I'm wrong. All that's, that's bad on me. It's not bad on my wife. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, just wait. Uh, I, I don't know. I I don't think you understand what I said. Uh, I do. She's, but I, I I don't think so. This is the age thing here. Speaking, um, whether she tells you you're wrong all the time or not, you don't really want to point that one out. I'm just, you know, just a little bit of advice. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know what that means. It's so, uh, wrong for pointing out that she points out that you're wrong all the time. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, trust me. All right. Okay. All right. Yep. Anyway. Yes. All right. So anyway. Um, this is the Dolphin Relations would, podcast. Uh. I would still, <laughs> I would still uh, take Penny Sewell at six, and I would still take an offensive lineman at 18 if one of those – guys fell so that's going to do it for our breakdown of the offensive linemen offensive tackle class here follow us on facebook twitter all of our social media outlets here uh also follow us on the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com and if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side it is on the fin side Good shit, dude. That was fun. Good stuff, man. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. 
they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.